back to more John Chuckery. This party's gonna rock. Make Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. So how many times tonight have we just blown up the clock on the uh, on the show tonight? Like getting in and out of breaks and everything like that. Yeah, we've uh, just twice. Yeah, yeah, we've kind of kind of blown it all up. Hey, it's okay when it when it's when it's good radio. You don't interrupt it. Oh Lord, have mercy. Hey, um, get at the heart of the NFL with the In the Huddle podcast. Brian Baldinger, Jason Lock on four, and our guy Carl Dukes. Take you around the league, give you the inside scoop around the NFL. New episodes come out every Tuesday and Thursday. In the Huddle is free on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcast from. And don't forget, Heat Check as well. It's a never-ending deal uh, soap opera in the NBA. Heat Check is your podcast to check out all things around the league. Trista Crick delivers biting analysis. Check out Heat Check for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast from. Chuck, we back here in the Key Studios on Sports Radio and the Game. My thanks to Vince Cellini, man. Love Vince. You know, like, you know, like Kyle, who, who's the sports guys you grew up with? We're going to do rank them, by the way, at 1040 tonight. So who's the sports guys in this town that you grew up with? In this town? Um, in this town. Do, do you even honestly, know who I, any of them are? Honestly, I started listening to, when I got into, like, sports radio, I actually started listening to stations, honestly, here, like, when... You know, you and Randy Mack and uh Okay, but I'm Rick talking about John- the I'm talking about did you ever watch T V as a kid? Yeah, but did like you ever watch T V news as a kid. Yeah, I mean Did you, you know, ever watch Sam Crenshaw, Fred Khalil, I know, Ken well, Rodriguez? Fred Khalil, Zach Klein, um, Jerome Jurinovich, obviously Bob Rathman. Like I grew up like I'm still young enough to like I grew up watching them. Okay. So who did, so you so we had so as I've been here in this town, uh-huh. we've had we've had Stu Kleitenik, we've had Bill Hartman, we've had Zach Klein, Zach we've Klein, had yeah, yeah. Sam Crenshaw, we've had um, Ken Rodriguez. Who's the other sports McCain. people that I'm um, missing? Um, uh, Ken's oh. the one that did high five, right? Like a high five sports? Yes, he did he most, a, yeah, on Fox. He just stuff? retired yeah. last year or right, something like right, that. Right, right, so, right. Yes. Yeah. Did you watch any of those guys growing up? Yeah, I watched Ken. I watched Zach. Again, I, you know, Jerome Jurinovich, uh, Bob Rathman when I watched Hawks and yeah, stuff Yeah, but like those that. were Hawks coverage. I'm talking about, again, I'm not, Atlanta? I'm, not, I'm not clearing – I'm not giving proper English. <laughs> Local Atlanta sportscasters on the news, the TV news guys. Okay. 11 Alive, AB, uh, WSB, CBS, Fox, what have you. Like those guys. Yeah, just just really Zach and Ken. That that was it for me. Uh, I didn't watch much news. I like I didn't I didn't watch news like that. Because I, I kid. Could, I, like <laughs> when I was growing up, uh-huh. like you know Jim Donovan, Vince Cellini, guys like that. Like that's what that's the guys we watched to get our local news. You know, when I wanted to know about the Indians or the Browns or the Cavs, I listened to Vince Cellini. I would watch Jim Donovan, who still calls the games for the Browns. He's the Browns. He's the Browns play-by-play guy to this day, 30 years later. Like, those are the guys. And, and like, here, like, when you watch Sam, look, I, I remember Sam when he was on 11 Alive. And he was doing match point with, um, <laughs> oh, God, with uh, the guy who had complete game broadcasting that helped me get this job. Like, uh, that's, is, that was his name, the Kevin guys. or something? Huh? Is his name Kevin? No, not Kevin. I'll have to look. It's yeah. in my phone. But but anyway, but like Bill Hartman, okay? Bill Hartman was a longtime sportscaster. Stu Kleitenik, who worked at the stage for a little bit, he was sportscaster for WSB. These guys all before Zach Klein came along and stuff like that, before Zach and Allison and all them. You didn't watch any of these people. Nope. 
Like I said, Zach and Zach and Ken. That was that was about it for me as far as sportscasters go on the news. I didn't watch much news as a kid. I didn't. I watched a lot of Sports Center. I watched, you know, the Braves Chuck games. Dowdle. There's a, yes, thank you. Chuck Dowdle, another guy. I've met Chuck. Chuck follows me on Twitter. Love Ch- Chuck's one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet. Chuck Dowdle's great. You didn't watch him? Nope. He was probably off air by the time you were born. Um, because Chuck's been Chuck's been out of Chuck does a lot of Chuck's done did for years. I think he's kind of stepped away now, but obviously did UJ broadcasts and all that kind of stuff for for years and years and mm-hmm. years. But yeah, Chuck Dowdle's another guy. Chuck Dowdle, Bill Hartman, those guys, you know, Ken Rodriguez, um, you know, Sam. I mean, people like that. Now, when I got to college, I heard of I heard Sam Crenshaw's name, obviously because Sam and I went to the same college. But um, yeah, no, can't uh, just Zach and Zach and Zach and Ken. I may have seen Sam before I knew it was Sam, and I just didn't realize it was Sam. Jeff Batten was the guy who did Match Point with Sam. That's the guy who founded Complete Game Broadcasting. Jeff Batten. Um, whew, man. All right, I'll try to gather myself here. For like I said, I, I watched a lot of lots of Sports Center. And, you know, I, I watched the the Braves games, the Hawks games, and stuff. So you know, I saw I saw Bob and you know whatnot. And well, yeah, I, I mean, again, Chip and Skip. Okay, like I was watching Joe Tate and Bruce Drennan, and yeah. you know, a few years ago, I had Jack Corgan on my sh- on my show, and he is the play by play voice for the Colorado Rockies. Well, he was also though. The, one of the early TV voices for the Cleveland Indians when I was growing up. And it was, you know, it was, you know, once it was, you know, Joe Tate was like one of the legendary voices in town. Like the the, the Cavs was Joe Tate and, and Jim Jones who played for the Cavs. Bruce Drennan and Joe Tate did the Indians games when I was growing up. Then Jack Corgan took over. Herb Score was on the radio. So, yeah, the play-by-play guys, that's ingrained. But I'm talking about the local TV news guys, because that's where, for a lot of us, that's where we got our information. Like, we didn't, like, Sports Center. what, when I was growing up, obviously ESPN didn't come along until, whatever, 79 or 80. So, you know, it just kind of got going when I was a youth and moving toward my teenage years. Then, obviously, it exploded as I got into later teenage years and stuff like that. But if you wanted to get a local flavor and feel, it was the TV guys. That's who gave you the local flavor and feel, those kind of guys. Like I said, I, I, I mean, I'm not kidding you. Friday night, you know, as a youth, I'm watching Vince Cellini coming on after Dick Goddard doing weather. Vince will give me what's going on with the Cavs and the Indians and, and uh, the Browns and all that kind of stuff, and I'll learn about that. And then I'm going to watch Big Chuck and Little John. Was that, a, was that a show? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Google that sometime. Google Big Chuck and Houlihan, and then later on it became Big Chuck and Little John. Like, those were local TV shows that, that we had marketplaces. Like, I'm trying to think if there's even anything in Atlanta that kind of compares it. Because we had Superhost. We had Big Chuck and Little John. We had – I don't know if Atlanta has because I, I don't remember shows sort of like that that had that. They were kind of local, yeah, low-cable like TV kind of shows. Like, low-budget cable shows like that. Superhost, um, Big Chuck, Little John, Big Chuck Coolahan. So anyway, I, I you have this dumbfounded look when I ask you for TV local news guys and stuff. So anyway, um, speaking of dumbfounded looks, as we get ready for the World Series and the Philadelphia Phillies and the Houston Astros hooking up, you know this is what's funny is there's become this narrative now. Yeah, Harmon Wages. Well, here's the thing: Jerry tweets in Harmon Wages, the first morning radio show 
sports talk radio that I remember in Atlanta was the old 680. And it was Randy Cross, Randy Blake, and Harmon Wages. Or as Neil Bortz called him, this is what Bortz called him, hormone wages. Because I think he was one of those guys that they all lived at Riverbend Apartments and stuff back in the days. But that was the first sports talk radio morning show that I remember. Randy Blake, Randy Cross, Harmon Wages. And, you know, you had like Max and Morgan on middays and all that. So I don't suppose you listen to any of those people I just mentioned. You know who Randy Cross is? Nope. You said Max and Morgan? Don't know who you, they you are know, either. You know, who, you know who Harmon Wages is? Nope. I know what, uh, you know what, what, what minimum wage is. Jeff Hullinger, that's another good. Gil Tyree. I love Gil Tyree. You put Gil Tyree and Sam Crenshaw together, that's two-thirds of the pips. That's two-thirds of the pips right there. The pips? Yes. Randy Waters is another good. Randy still does some stuff. Randy does stuff on the same station that Sam works at now. That What, what does that station say? It's not CW. What, what, what no, is it is it? CW. Is it CW? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, CW. So Randy Waters, who did also, who was the color guy for the Georgia Tech basketball for, for several years. But Randy Waters, another good call. Chuck Dottle. Gil Tyree was only here for a little bit. I think Gil came from Memphis, I believe. Or, yeah, he came from Memphis, and then I think he's up in Philadelphia because I think his kids are somewhere up there in Philadelphia. But love Gil Tyree. Again, Gil Tyree and Sam Crenshaw, that's two-thirds of the pips. Give me Fred Khalil, Gil Tyree, and Sam Crenshaw. I got the pips. Jeff Hollinger, who's still on. You know who Jeff Hollinger is? Nope. He's still on TV. He's, he does the news now, but he was the foul. The year the Falcons went to the Super Bowl in 98. Uh-huh. He was the play-by-play voice of the Falcons oh, okay. during those days. So, okay. you know, Jim Ross was the play-by-play voice of the Falcons for a little bit, too. Jim Ross is in, like, he's the wrestler. A- oh, okay. The, the wrestler. Like, the guy I told you to get from AEW? Yeah, okay. Yes. He, was the, he was the play-by-play voice. Very he nice. actually He actually used to have a Sunday night wrestling radio show on WSB back in the old days. Wow. And he would have everybody on that show. So I appreciate this history lesson tonight, John Chuck. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I just, I, I... I just, I'm looking and just you have this dumbfounded look when I bring up some of these names and stuff. So, anyway, um, by the way, Philly was, you know, Philly was four and eight in the regular season to end the year. Their, their last 12 games, it went four and eight, then won two games. So they finished, they were six and eight in their last 14 going into the Brave series. Is that hot? No. They were a negative run differential, too. Is that hot? No. They hit one homer in the two games they played against the Cardinals. Is that hot? No. Okay. So the Braves didn't run into a buzzsaw. No. Okay. Okay, can we, can we stop that narrative and that argument? We play bad. Yeah. I mean, just because the Phillies are in the World Series now doesn't mean the Braves ran into a buzzsaw. They were not hot no. coming into that series. They, they were 6-8 and eight in their last 14, including their two playoff victories. 6-8. and eight. They, they lost their last two games of the regular season and then won their first two games in the playoffs. I'm all over the board uh, here tonight. All right, when we get back, it'll be time for That's Life. Uh, Superman is back. And the largest potential payout in gambling history could happen in the next week or so here. Plus our top ten as well. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, not to the game. Odyssey.com. We've heard so much about you. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back with you, the John Chuckery Show. 9.23, live in the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. 
That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site catch us on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I am at JMSH316. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. Don't forget, 1040, we've got Rankum coming up this evening, so don't forget to be a part of all of that. Hey, uh, don't forget to get reaction to the Falcons' loss to the Bengals with the Peachtree Football Podcast. Bo Morgan and Dylan Matthews. If he actually produces anything, he's on the podcast. <laughs> they analyze everything going on uh, in the world of the Falcons. Follow Peachtree Football on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. That's from. right, Chuck. That's right, too. Did you see that your buddy Henry Cavill announced that he's coming back as Superman? Yeah, that's uh, that's great. Yeah, awesome. Did you I- like him? No, I didn't either. Not I don't think really. he's a very good Superman. He's listen. You he, made a very good point when you said that one time he's way too dark to be a he Superman. Is. He is. He, look, he's got the body. He's got the look. Yeah. I give him that. But he's as stiff as a board that's been treated. I mean, right. he's super stiff. That's what he is. And those Superman movies are way too dark. That's not the character. Nope. The character is not dark. It's not Batman. It's not that kind of character. I don't know what these movies are he's going to do, but supposedly he signed up for a couple of more movies and stuff like that. And he, and he said it's going to be a little bit like the Black Adam movie. Well, that's a dark character. Like that's, that's dark. Not, yeah. Superman's that, not supposed to be happy, no, he's go supposed lucky, to be bright. True justice yeah. in the American way. Yes. Black, Black Adam is a anti-hero. Yes. He's not a pure good guy. Now you're getting into the role of Deadpool in those type of dudes. Exactly. Right. That's not what Superman is. Nope. Superman's not conflicted or anything like that. I don't think he's a very good Superman. I'm not. Uh, again, they've screwed up these DC movies. Have you seen? Did you go see Black Adam or anything like that? Nah, I probably won't. Yeah, I'm. I'm not I don't know if I will that. or not. Yeah. I, again, how many more movies by The Rock do we really need to have? Did you them? see though? While we're on this topic, real quick, did you did you watch the Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania trailer yet? Um, you know, I did not see the trailer. I saw that the trailer was out there, that but I did not see the trailer. It looked like that movie's going to be good. Okay. Well, look, say what you will. Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd is interesting, right? I mean, I'll I'll give him that. He's he's an interesting cat, so I'll I'll give him that for all of it. So, I'll I'll at least give him that. All right. Um there is a 20 there's a 20 or 2012 Leaf Century Pop. So they do this card set. They do this trading card set, Dylan, that has figures that are non-sports people. They do cards and they do autographs and stuff like that. One of the people that they had in this 2012 Leaf Pop Century set is a Donald Trump card. And they have and he did autographs in it. A recent Donald Trump autographed Pop Century card from 2012. Graded out mint ten, just sold at auction. How much you think his autograph sold for? Two million. No, 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 no. He's alive. He's he's oh, he's, he's not he's not dead or anything. Okay, you're, uh, you're way. Let me take thirty thousand. Uh, no, you're still pretty far off. Ten thousand. Eleven thousand one hundred dollars. Wow. For a hand autograph card of Donald Trump, eleven grand for that card. I ain't paying that. 
And he's got the worst-looking signature, too. Like, his autograph is just, like, up and down scribbles. It, it looks like an EKG reading. He probably don't even write his – he probably does it on purpose. He, he probably don't even know how to write in cursive. Right. It, he does, <laughs> I, or he doesn't care about his autograph. Right. It's just, it's just like an EKG reading out there. $11,100 for a Trump autograph card. I'm telling you, man, people have got more money than they know what to do with uh, in all of this. You familiar with Mattress Mac? No. Okay. Mattress Mac has a furniture store in Houston. He's one of the biggest Houston sports people that there is. Well, he is the king of Houston sports. He's a big sports wager, too. He has a wager that if the... So he bets... He always bets on Houston teams to win everything. Well, he's got a bet on the Astros from the beginning of the season that... If the Astros win the World Series, he will cash in. Ready? Because he bets millions at a time. He will cash in $75 million. Wow. Now, he always, now he got, they say that he got somewhere, he's made multiple bets that ranged anywhere from 5 to 1 to 10 to 1 odds on the Astros winning the World Series that he got in the beginning of the season, okay? Uh-huh. Um, he won $3.46 million several years ago on a bet um, with the Buccaneers uh, covering the spread against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So he's his big-time wager. He runs a furniture store. He was a big he was a big sponsor for um, WrestleMania 17 at the Astrodome and all that kind of stuff. But he's got, a, he's got bets right now on the Astros winning the World Series that would make him the highest payout in betting history at $75 million if the Astros win the World Series. And look, man, they're they're the heavy favorites in the World oh, Series. Oh, yeah. Heavy favorites. Imagine $75 million. And, and he bets millions of dollars at a time as if it's no big deal out there. I'm just feeling good about a, a couple hundred I might get on this prize picks. Oh, you got something on prize picks? Yeah, I do I do bets on prize picks. Oh, okay. Yeah. So have you got the Astros or you got something else going? Oh no, I do like most of the time I do NFL and then I'm gonna start to do some NBA ones here. Okay. Soon. Yeah, he's he's bet millions of dollars at a time on here. Um, but seventy five million dollars. Man. He's got almost I wish. he's got almost ten million invested. In these in this bet that will wow. get him seventy five million, crazy, huh? Mm. Bet right. big to win big today. Yeah, absolutely. All right, today, believe it or not, is Chucky the Killer Doll Day. Chucky from the from the movies. Yeah, there is a day today dedicated to Chucky the Doll. As we head toward right, we're we're what uh, less than a week away from Halloween. Yeah. So with that, tonight's top ten list, our top ten favorite movie killers. Dylan, the floor is yours. I'm going to start things off with, first and foremost, F. Chucky. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to my ranking and explain more of that here in a bit. I'm going to start at the top and work my way down to the bottom. At number one, number one's got to be Freddy Krueger. I mean, it has to be. This dude goes into your dreams and kills you. Like, at a time where you're supposed to be, like, happy and, 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 and sleeping and most relaxed, he goes into your dreams and murk you. I mean, that's a bad dude right there. He got burned, you know, after, you know, he killed all his kids and he got burned 
and then he came back in everybody's dream and everything. Yeah, I'm not a big Freddy Krueger guy. He's a, he's a bad dude. Yeah, I'm not a big Freddy Krueger guy. Number two has got to be Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I got him. Dude wears people's faces and uh, kills other people. Here's the thing, though, about the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. As a youth growing up and watching it, that movie was immensely scary. Yeah, so scary. But they show it now. I, I've seen it here lately a couple times on Showtime and stuff yeah. like that. It's so corny now. Like, right. now as an adult watching it. Have you seen any of the new ones? Yeah. It's the original one was really supposed to, like, kind of ahead of its time. It's right. corny now to watch. It really is buffoonish to watch that movie. It is. Like, I got to go back and watch it's, it again. It's actually not. They do a good job. It's not very violent in the sense of they show blood and gore. Yeah. It's the scary, you know, like when he flashes the light in the corn, you know, in the in the field over there, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden here comes Leatherface with a chainsaw down on the guy. Right. The suspense is really good. Right. But that girl's screaming for half the movie in the original. I wish she would have gotten run over at the end. Like, I was rooting for Leatherface to chop her up or have the semi run her over. I got so tired of listening to her screaming and hollering. Just shut up already. (laughs) But I've got Leatherface on my list as well. Number three, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. I mean, he eats people. That's all all that needs to be said. The the other movies, the first movie's fantastic. Yeah. The other movies are, Silence of the Lambs is fantastic. The other movies are... You know, when Corny. he eats, when he eats, you know, when he's got Ray Liotta and he's giving him a lobotomy and all that, eh, it's, it starts getting kind of hokey at that point. Right, right. Um, number four, I got Norman Bates, you know, obviously from the Bates Motel movie. Okay, I mean, okay. What? Okay. What? Have you ever seen Psycho? I have. I had to watch it for a, um, for a film okay. when I was in college. You, yeah. You've seen the original Alfred Hitchcock Psycho. I have. With Anthony Perkins in the black and white, yep. Janet Lee. I had to watch it for. Do you know who college. Janet? Do you know who Janet Lee's daughter is? No. Okay. Jamie Lee Curtis. Ah, that's Janet what I was gonna daughter. guess. I knew it. Okay. That's what I was gonna guess. But I, I'll give you credit that you've at least seen Psycho. I've had, I had at least seen it. Yes. And he's a bad dude because he was. He, I mean, he just, he killed people in, not plain sight, but, like, he didn't have to wear a mask or anything. Like well, he, he wore just, his mom's outfit. He, he dressed up like his mom. He was just crazy. Yeah. He, he was out here murking people. But so. I, I, I like, you know, he can, he can have a little bit of crazy. Right. Uh, Jack Torrance, I'm going to give you that one. Now, that one I, I've seen kind of spotty. I haven't watched it from beginning to end, but I know Jack Torrance is a bad man. Okay. How much of The Shining have you actually seen? I've uh, like 10 minutes. <laughs> But I know, but I know enough about Jack Torrance to know he's a he's a, he's a cold-hearted killer. I know it. He's a bad dude. How many people does he kill in that movie? I'm gonna guess five. I haven't seen the whole thing, but five. Um, yeah, no. One? Yes. Mm. Kills one person. He kills the innkeeper, Scatman Crothers. That's the only person he kills in the movie. Because mm. he didn't kill his kid, he didn't kill his wife. Oh. So maybe he's maybe he's more of a Grinch type than a. <laughs> it sounded good. I mean, right. you said it with a lot of emphasis. Okay. Number six. This dude, I've seen plenty of his movies. Jigsaw. He. Uh, the first one is really good, but then they really get goofy. They, they get goofy way yeah. towards it. They, yeah. like, they made like, way too many. They made a lot of money off of Saw. Yes. So they said, okay, let's make a whole franchise full of these because they're cheap. Didn't easy. they make like ten of them? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like crazy. Like there's, like there's only so many ways, uh, games that kill everybody. 
The first one is, is very intriguing. How do you not get caught after the first one? You would think, <laughs> but after the first one, it really does start to like get hokier by the movie. But I have to give Jigsaw credit. Like to put these games together and like that's what I'm saying. go like, on as like, long of a run as you did, like, like that's like impressive. How, like how could anybody have the time to be able to right. pull all these Right. Where do you find the time to exactly. do all this? Exactly. So I got Jigsaw on there as well. Next, I'm gonna have to go uh, I have to go Michael Myers. Michael Myers. I Michael mean, Myers is the best because he's no, he would be number one on my list. I mean he he had a he's I mean he's still going. Okay, uh, have you seen the original Halloween movie? I've seen most of it, not have all of it. Have you seen the original the original 1978 Halloween movie? I've seen. Yeah, I have. I have. Okay. I've seen most of it. I am not gonna lie. I haven't seen all of it, but I've seen most of it. Again, another assignment. Uh, so I got Michael Myers on there. Jace- My, uh, Halloween is the best horror movie of all time. The original Halloween. Yes. The music, the character, yep. the suspense, everything. He doesn't kill a crap ton of people, he but doesn't. he kills enough. Yeah. Okay. So after uh, Michael Myers, I'm going to have to go Jason Voorhees. Mm. J- he's, yeah, that's why he's down at number eight. He's kind of eh. Like, okay, you know, you got who the was mask. The ki- who was the killer in the first Friday the 13th movie? The, who was the killer? Yeah. In the first Friday the 13th? Yes. What do you mean who's the killer? Who's the killer in the first Friday the 13th movie? It's not Jason, but, like, I haven't seen Friday the 13th in such a long time. I don't I don't know. It's his mom. His mom. Oh, that's right. It is she's his camp, mom. She's the camp counselor. That's right. She, and I Jason that comes now. up out of the water at the end of the movie. That's and right. starting at number two is where Jason Voorhees is the main protagonist killer. That's right, because in the second one, doesn't it doesn't it start with the like the them on a boat or something? Well, that's the ending of the first movie. Oh, that's the end of the, the second first movie. movie. Starts with he goes to the girl's apartment that was in the boat, finds her, and an right. ice pick through her head. Yeah, because isn't she like about to stoop some dude? At the, no, she oh, was no. getting food out of the fridge and her cat oh, jumped okay. around, and he put an ice pick through her head. Ooh, yikes! Yeah. Okay, um, so he's gonna be at. <laughs> He's going to be a number eight. I haven't watched a lot of these movies in a long time, but I know these are bad, bad people. Um, so he comes in at number eight. At number nine, I'm going to have to go Ghostface from Scream. I was not a big fan of the Scream movies. It's, yeah, again, yeah, that's why these I, I'll be why honest doing lower. Like, I kind of rooted guy. that he would, like, like those all those kids yelling, I, I'm kind of glad that he stabbed <laughs> them all. Like, they deserve it all. And number ten, the worst Serial killer in, in movies, in my opinion, is Chucky. Can I tell you? I'm not gonna lie. In the beginning, I was a little afraid of Chucky, but at this point, I would punt Chucky yeah, into next I, week again. Kick him right in his head. Like, exactly. I, I don't, and I know it. Part of it is the deception. He sneaks up on yeah, him and stuff like that. I don't okay. care about none of that. Chucky may get one one good slice in, and that's it. Yeah. And then he's, he's not, done for. Yeah. He's not overpowering if he if, me. If he doesn't get my throat the first time, he ain't he ain't walking again. All right, here's my list very quickly. I know we got to get the break. Pinhead. Um, are you familiar with Pinhead from the Hellraiser movies? I am not. Yeah, Pinhead's a, a good one. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Seven with Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman? No. Okay, Kevin Spacey, the killer in that movie. Fantastic movie. Um, the Creeper. Have you ever seen Jeepers Creepers before? I've heard of it. I haven't seen that it. That creature is pretty wild. He's on my list. How about Buffalo Bill? You know who that is? I've heard of Buffalo Bill. Okay, you said Hannibal Lecter. Uh-huh. So the guy who's the serial killer that they that they use Hannibal Lecter to help try to find is oh, Buffalo Bill. Bill. Okay, okay. Is she that great big fat person? <laughs> precious, precious, where are you? That guy who <laughs> says put the lotion in the... Okay. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, Candyman. I have Played heard the of Candyman. Candyman three times real fast. Uh-huh. They did remake that movie. 
Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I've got Hannibal Lecter as well. Um, the Tooth Fairy. Speaking of Hannibal Lecter, the Tooth Fairy from Manhunter. Manhunter oh. was the movie filmed here by Michael Mann. Manhunter is the first movie that features Hannibal Lecter, played by Brian Cox. Okay. That movie was filmed here in Atlanta. The guy from CSI um, plays the detective in that movie. Uh, I don't remember. The, the original CSI. William, I can't remember. He was he was in To Live and Die in L.A. can't remember what the guy's name is. No. But uh, Tooth Fairy from Manhunter. Um, and then finally, my last two, um, Patrick Bateman. You ever see the movie American Psycho? Uh, no. Christian Bale, Bale yeah, plays the killer in that yeah. movie. Fantastic movie. I love that movie, especially with the color of the uh, business cards. And then finally, the best <laughs> one of all time is Michael Myers. No yeah. doubt about it. All right, when we get back, Heather Dinich joined us earlier in the show. What she had to say, sports right now to the game, odyssey.com app. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Sports Radio, 92.9, the game. Back with your John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday evening with you. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app, you catch us on the go. Social media at 929, the game. I got Vince Cellini hanging out with me. He is at Vince underscore Cellini. I am at JMCH316. And, of course, we've got our guy, Dylon, producing the show today at underscore Dylan Matthews. Well, it's Georgia-Florida week. We got the first college football poll that is coming up one week from tonight. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to Heather Dinich. She, of course, a college football writer for ESPN, ESPN.com. You can follow her on Twitter, at CFB Heather. And, you know, Heather, one of the things I've found very interesting the last couple of weeks is looking at the voting in the AP and coaches poll. And I understand it's the SIDs and all that for the coaches poll. But as I kind of see Tennessee close that gap between two and three, it makes me wonder, you think if Tennessee beats Kentucky on Saturday, there is a legitimate chance that it's Georgia-Tennessee 1-2 in the first college football playoff poll? Well, I'll remind everybody of 2014 and the very first ranking of the very first college football playoff, and there were three SEC West teams in the top four. And to me, that's a lesson that continues to resonate, that there's no limit, not only to how many teams from one conference, but from one division. So to answer your question, yes, it's certainly possible, but... I'm very curious to see what the selection committee does with Ohio State because Tennessee right now has the best win in the country. They're number one in ESPN's strength of record metric, which I absolutely love because it's a great correlation between what actually winds up happening in the top four because 28 of the past 32 teams in ESPN's strength of record have been in the top four and right now Tennessee's number one and this is all going to play itself out obviously because Tennessee and Georgia are going to play but the point is Ohio State schedule is terrible but they're passing the eye test and all of these selection committee members are issued an iPad from the college football playoff and they can flip through and basically watch coaches cut up any minute of any game any team that they want to see is literally at their fingertips and anyone who has watched Ohio State I mean, Hendon Hooker's right there, 
in terms of quarterback play with C.J. Stroud. But talent is a thing. And Ohio State, talent-wise, could also make a case for number one. Hmm. Heather, um, as we look at the rest of the college football rankings, who do you think is number – if we think that Georgia – Tennessee, Ohio State, whatever order you want to put those those teams in, if that's the top three, who do you think has gotten themselves into that number four position right now in college football? That's so tricky because you know the selection committee loves strength of schedule, and assuming Wake Forest, NC State, maybe Syracuse, our CFP top 25, Clemson has a great resume. You know, they're sitting there on the bubble in the Associated Press Top 25 at number five and the coaches poll. Um, they continue to find ways to win, but it hasn't always been pretty. I mean, they had four turnovers, and, you know, I thought it was a great coaching move by Dabo Sweeney to bench his starting quarterback, DJ Uyunglele, and go to his backup. I mean, we've seen Nick Saban do that in the National Championship game. It worked out pretty well. you got to do what you have to do to win. But to me, that also raises the question, is DJU good enough to win a national mm-hmm. title if he's not good enough to win Syracuse, beat Syracuse? So I think those kinds of questions will come into play. Michigan's strength of schedule, their non-conference schedule is dreadful. Yes. Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn. These are all things that the selection committee pulls up on giant flat screen TVs and they look at that. How many power five wins? How many wins against teams above 500? And Michigan has two power five wins against teams over 500, Maryland and Penn State, but pay attention to where the opponents are ranked. Like, if you're paying attention to college football day in and day out, Penn State's not that good. If Ohio State doesn't win by two touchdowns at least, I'll be shocked. So where's Penn State ranked? Like, how, how do you value that win from Michigan? And that all comes into play when you're considering Michigan for the fourth spot. Hi, Heather. Um, it's nice to talk to you. I'm filling in tonight. I'm Vince. So <laughs> um, and when we talk about the outliers there in, in college football, those teams that are sort of like saying, you know, hey, don't forget about us, is wh- where mm-hmm. is it? Where is a TCU in, in, that, in that big picture? And what do they have to do to try to go, hey, we're here too? They have to win convincingly, and they have to hope that the selection committee likes the rest of the Big 12. And those committee members will never tell you what they think about a conference. We don't rank conferences, we rank teams. They say it repeatedly every year, but you can tell by where those other teams in that league are ranked. And, you know, again, I go back to the eye test, which makes everybody cringe, but it's real. And at some point in that room, there is usually a conversation where somebody says, well, if TCU played Ohio State, who would win? Well, <laughs> and everybody looks yeah, at yeah, well, you know, well, yeah, I mean, would win. <laughs> of course, of course. You know, and you know, so, yeah, so that's, that is part of it. Um, and how many teams did TCU beat? So my thing with TCU is I don't think they're going to stay undefeated because they have to go on the road to beat Texas, on the road to beat Baylor. Um, But if they're still undefeated at the end of the day, I mean, certainly they're in consideration for it. But what happens in those other Power 5 conferences and how many teams does the SEC have? Senior college football writer for ESPN.com, Heather Dinich, joins us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. One thing I'm interested about Clemson, because you brought it up, the stigma has always been it's Clemson and everybody else in the ACC 
but this year, you know, Wake Forest, Syracuse, there are ranked teams, NC State, there are ranked teams on their side of the division. Is it still, though, that Clemson has to go undefeated, run the table, win the ACC to get in? Or could this be a year that you think that maybe a one-loss Clemson team could still find their way into the playoffs? It depends. Look, I mean, every little nitty-gritty thing is analyzed. The answer to that is it depends on the loss, what it would look like, and what happens everywhere else. I mean, if they go on the road and lose to a Notre Dame team that is really struggling this year, that's not good. You can't sugarcoat that. All of a sudden, South Carolina is ranked. Are they still ranked when they play Clemson? Is that a close game between rivals at the end of the season? They lose by a field goal or an overtime? The selection committee considers all of those things. Um, and, and if it were the latter to South Carolina and they go on and beat, say, North Carolina in the ACC championship game in convincing fashion, that's easier to justify than a bad loss to Notre Dame. So, and, and again, it's hard to answer that question without saying, is there a two-loss champion in the Pac-12? Or is USC or UCLA or, or Oregon a, a one-loss champ that's just looked outstanding and nobody wants to play in December? That kind of thing. So I wouldn't rule out a one-loss Clemson, but I think given what we've seen from them, it's not a, it's not a lock. So let me ask you about Oregon. Can Oregon, as a one-loss Pac-12 champion, can they overcome what happened in week one against Georgia? Can they overcome a 46-point loss to Georgia? I mean, is that, you know, where where does that kind of balance itself out, do you think? How much does that loss at the beginning of the year hurt Oregon, the way that they lost? Yeah, it hurts them a ton. There's no way to sugarcoat that. That was bad. It was ugly. It stained in everyone's brains. No one's going to forget it. And what it does is at least on paper – illustrate the gap between Oregon and a top four team, not just a top four team, but the defending national champs. And the question is how much has Oregon improved since that day? Clearly they're better. They've won six straight games. Bo Nix is probably making Auburn fans lose their minds right now. Cause they're like, where was this? I mean, he just, he played fantastic. He's making it look so easy. Getting the ball to his playmakers. He threw six incompletions against UCLA, right? Six incompletions, no turnovers. So they're better. Are they so good now that if they played Georgia again, it would be different? I don't know the answer to that. There's only one way to find out. Um, But that could either help or hurt them because at least they played somebody. I'll go back to Michigan's schedule. Heather, I know it's not the sexiest thing in the world talking about the AAC, but very interesting where Cincinnati and Tulane are because they will play each other at the very end of the year you could very much have those two teams playing back-to-back weeks, one to end the regular season, one to win the conference champion. You think that's really at this point the only spot that, you know, a power, a group of five, I should say, for the, the big six bowl bid comes from? I mean, it's, is it pretty much down to just Cincinnati two-lane and however they kind of shake themselves out? I think so. I do. You know, there's no – real Cinderella story or or miracle happening in the group of five this year. I think that's kind of obvious, but you know, in this system, people have to remember that it is the highest ranked group of five conference champion that is guaranteed a spot in a new year's six bowl. And that appears to be 
the direction that it's heading. And, um, you know, that it would be great for them, obviously, but Cincinnati's got a taste of <laughs> a little bit more. So in, the, in some respects, of course, it's like a consolation prize. Well, this looks like a year where we're talking about an expanded playoff coming up to, to 12. And this would be if there was ever a year where you could go on and try to sell it, it might be this. But are we going to have years in the future where this might be diluted enough? I mean, what are your thoughts on expanding that and, and getting some of these teams in the, that could be two lost teams, possibly, that are going to be mm-hmm. playoff teams moving forward? Well, I think in a lot of ways it's going to be very fun because – Come late November, we're going to be talking about a lot more teams involved <laughs> in this with, with at least a shot, right? And, but at the end of the day, Davo Sweeney said this a couple of years ago, and everybody kind of like, like, wow, he said, you know, there are really only a couple of teams that can win the national title. And he's right. And, you know, it is cyclical, certainly. There's going to be a time when, you know, Oklahoma's back in the conversation, obviously, and I don't know what the heck Miami's doing, but you've got these blue blood programs that just take turns at the top, and what does happen to Alabama when Nick Saban decides to call it a day? I don't know, but there are certain programs that are always going to be in this conversation. Um, But to widen it, I don't know if it necessarily dilutes it. I I think it adds some intrigue because Think about the beginning of the season when we were talking about so many teams like App State and just how fun it was, those upsets. And, you know, nobody nobody cares who wins or loses, but as these upsets are unfolding, everyone's watching. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this is actually happening. And the, every, people just love college football, and I think that will bring that excitement back to it. And because you couldn't be a two-loss team, I think athletic directors will schedule – more of the big boys, knowing that they've got some forgiveness. And I think that'll benefit fans on the front end of the schedule as well. Yeah, great point. Check out all of her work at ESPN.com. Senior college football writer for ESPN, Heather Dinich, joined us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Follow her on Twitter as well, at CFB Heather. Heather, thanks so much for a few minutes in Atlanta. Appreciate the time. Definitely look forward to talking to you here as we get into actual college football playoff polls. Now we get a little bit more fun to talk about. Yeah, sounds good. Enjoy the games this weekend, guys.